For the last 26 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and in that time, I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you to become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLF, and this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. One, two, one, two, what's going on? It's your boy DJ TLM, and you're checking out episode nine of the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. This is my weekly QA show specifically made for DJs. Now, little caveat right there. Last week's episode was not a QA episode. It was basically a rant or just me rambling for 30, 45 minutes about my current state of affairs and my current activities. But most of the episodes will definitely be QA episodes. But even if I go on a rant, it's gonna be DJ related. Now, today I have a bunch of questions that came in through Instagram and I'm going to get straight into it right now. I have about 30 minutes and I want to make sure I'm adding as much value as possible to your day. So thanks for tuning in in advance. Make sure you follow me everywhere and just check out my info on djtlm.com. So let's get into this question. This is all about music and when you should consider something old school. So the question is, when is a song considered old school? I have a residency for an old school night, and when I play, I always wonder, is music from the early 2000s old school yet? And if not, when does something become old school? I really love this question, and I know the topic will have various opinions when you ask various people, because I know some people only consider a certain era to be old school, And in my opinion, that doesn't really make sense. Now, what is old school? Old school is something that is not from this time, that is from a different generation, different era. I started to DJ in the early 90s, and most people now would call hip-hop from the 90s like old school hip-hop. When I started in the 90s, that was new hip-hop, so that wasn't old school yet. If you were playing as a DJ in the early 90s, Old school would probably be soul and funk from the 70s, maybe disco, some stuff like that. Even like late 80s stuff, which would be considered old school now for sure, was not old school when we were playing it in the early 90s. So that alone should tell you that this is an evolving uh, genre. It's not even a genre, but an evolving group of music. It's going to get bigger because more songs are going to turn old. So yes, I was playing in the 90s and 90s stuff was new at that time. When I was playing in the 2000s, the 90s stuff was considered to be older slash old school. So mid 80s, late 80s, early 90s, that was already starting to be old school when it was like 2002, 2003. Now, we're in 2019. If you're playing a song out of 2002, That song is 17 years old. I consider that to be old. I don't know if I call it old school, but if I'm playing at an old school party, a song out of 2002 now is definitely going to fit that, in my opinion. So like I said, certain people will not agree. They'll only look at old school as being music from, I don't know, 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s, and anything after that is too new for them. But you have to imagine if you're a DJ and you're going to play at a club where there's a younger audience, let's say anything between 18 and 25, if you're playing a song that's 17 years old, old, a song out of 2002, some of them were one years old when that song came out. How is that not old school to them? For me, it's a little bit different 
because as a 43-year-old, you look at time differently. So 10 years doesn't feel as that long to me. That's only like a quarter of my life. That's not that long. But if you're still 25, 17 years, that's more than half of your life. That's a long time. So to them, that is definitely music from before their time. So yes, if you're playing at an old school party right now, something from the early 2000s, in my opinion, is definitely old school. You don't even have to label it old school, but it's definitely going to fit at a party where you're supposed to play older music. Now, if you're ever unsure about this, you can always just talk about this with the promoter, the organizer. And just ask them, like, look, you have this old school night. I love playing here. Make sure you let me know what you want me to play, what you consider old school. Can I play stuff from the early 2000s? Now, you have a residency there. I guess you haven't had complaints yet because you did not mention that. So I assume everything is fine on that end. But if you're ever unsure, just make sure you check with the promoter. Like, hey, you booked me to come play your old school party. What do you want me to play? 90s, 2000s, let me know. I can put all of that in there. Or if you want to be more specific and you want to make this like a throwback 90s party, then I'll leave everything after 2000 out of it. That's a possibility. They want to have like an 80s old school party and you leave the 90s out of it as well. You can always ask. But in my opinion, if it's over 15 years old, oh man, that's old. And a lot of the crowd will not know it unless you're playing for an older crowd. All right, I see a question that I also saw in my inbox, in my email inbox, and I have yet to answer because I need to check this out. So I can't really answer this now, but I like to just uh, throw that question out there anyway. What's the name of the scratch you're doing on your song, Show Me, at 42 seconds? Uh, I received questions like this more often. In this case, it's about a single I released in 2015 called Show Me. Uh, I do some scratches in that single, but it also happens with some of my Saturday Sessions videos, and I'll get a specific question, and it'll have a timestamp to let me know, like, hey, what's the scratch you're doing at 10 seconds or at 1 minute 40, or in this case, at 42 seconds? Uh, in 99.9% .9 of the cases, I'll have to go and actually listen to the song or watch the video to check what it is that I'm doing. And a lot of times I'm actually doing freestyle patterns that will consist of sometimes two or even three or four scratches following each other shortly. So I'll give that a look and a listen and I'll make sure I'll try to answer that. But in certain cases, it's going to be really hard because it's not just going to be that second. It's going to be, like in this case, the question is 42 seconds or so. So it's around that time. Now, I could be doing like a basic baby combined with a scribble and a cut, or maybe it's something else, you know, or a chirp. I have to go check. But a lot of times it's going to be a combination of different scratches. Uh, so I love the questions, but it's really hard for me to answer until I go check it out to see what I actually did. All right, so this question is about technology. I love talking about tech. And in this case, it is about new tech replacing old tech. The question is, do you think Rain 12s will replace turntables in nightclubs in the future? And the second question is, is there anything you do not like about the phase system? All right, so when Pioneer came out with the CDJ-1000, a lot of DJs here in the Netherlands switched from vinyl to that particular player. And some people uh, said that that would be the end 
of turntables and clubs. Now they were partially right because yes, in most of the clubs here, CDJs became the standard. Now, of course, nowadays it's gonna be CDJ 2000 Nexus 2, but in a lot of cases, if you walk into DJ booths here in clubs in the Netherlands, they'll have a CDJ set and not a turntable set, but most of the clubs still have their turntables and when I come out to play, they can bring out the turntables for me. They're gonna have them in the basement or the cellar, or they have just like um, separate storage where they do keep their equipment well preserved. But most of the clubs still have turntables, it's just not the regular setup. So they basically replace turntables till a certain extent. Now the Rain 12s, and if you're watching the video clip, well, they're right there in the back. I absolutely love the Rain 12s. Is it gonna replace turntables in nightclubs? Well, here in the Netherlands, for sure I can say no. That's just because there are not enough DJs using or requesting Rain 12s for clubs to actually make that investment. If half of the DJs were playing on that, clubs might consider adding that to their uh, standard setup or at least having those in the venue. But in this case, I don't see that happening. They're gonna stick with CDJs and they'll keep some turntables around. So no, I don't see that happening here. I don't know how it is in the US. I do see a lot of DJs using Rain 12s, but overall, I don't know if enough DJs are using and requesting them for clubs to replace their turntables. So it's really hard for me to tell, uh, but unless all turntable DJs start using 12s, I don't see it happening. Now, is there anything that I don't like about the phase system? I don't know yet. Mine are on the way. <laughs> I don't have them yet. I've seen the videos. I've seen them in action. I've seen them in person. Um, I had a gig with Brainpower last week or two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, I think. And the DJ that was playing after our gig was using phase. So I got to see it in person. Those things were smaller than I thought they were by watching the videos. Those units are super small, but uh, it looked great. The DJ was very happy. They were really working well. I've heard a lot of good stories. I've seen some stories online of people having trouble, like having trouble syncing them or stuff like that. Now, that could just be like the, um, the thing that happens with new equipment, that you're gonna have some buggy situations. Uh, hopefully those things can be solved with firmware upgrades. That happens a lot, or updates. So I haven't seen anything personally that has me worried, but I can't wait to get my hands on phase. And to me, it is still the biggest game changer of the last, I don't know how many years. I mean, the Rain 12s are definitely not the game changer. We've had moving platters for a long time. The NS7 already did that great. Other players came out and had the moving jog wheels, so that's not new. They work great, but it's not like mind-blowing new tech. It's just a bigger version of a V7, a V7 by Newmark, in my opinion. Love the Rain 12s, but Phase. That is a game changer because it will allow all of us turntable DVS DJs to stop worrying about faulty needles, faulty tone arms, you name it. 
Now, the cool thing is you can still have turntable sets that have the needles and everything on, and you can switch between phase and normal vinyl, or even just hook it up and still play DVS the normal way with control vinyl. But just having that option to know that I can bring a system that doesn't depend on the quality of the turntable that is available in that club. Like I said, here in the Netherlands, a lot of clubs will still have them, but they have them in the basement or attic. Not all clubs here treat their turntables well. And I've been in plenty of situations where I come in and something is wrong with the turntable. Now, I've had problems with my needles. Yes, that's my responsibility. I bring extra needles. I replace needles. You name it. But sometimes you come in and one of the SLs has like bad, faulty wiring. I can't change that, especially with SL. The wiring can't be, you can't just put in a different RCA cable. That wiring goes into that turntable. So if the wiring is off, I can't get a clear signal for my DVS, then I have a problem. And I've had to do gig with one turntable because the other one wasn't working. Phase fixes that problem for me. So to me, I'm amazed still, even though I've never used it, but my, uh, my set is on the way. So I should have that soon. And I absolutely can't wait. That's gonna go with me everywhere, everywhere I go. I can bring that, I can bring my laptop and anyone who has a set, I can just plug it in and we can play. Love it. So here we go. What is the best way to organize your music? Some tips on organizing them. Now, this is one of the most uh, requested topics. And anytime I talk about this, my answer is basically always the same. I haven't figured it out yet. I know that's still a pretty lame response, but it is the truth. I still haven't figured out my system. I've tried different stuff over the years, and I've met a lot of DJs and a lot of them organize their music differently from myself and other DJs. And that is because we all have our personal preference. Now, let me just skip that for a second. And I hope we can agree on that, that a lot of us will have our personal preference. There are certain things that will help you out when you start to organize your music. Number one is make sure you don't have too much music. What I mean by that is, you can have thousands and thousands of tracks in your library. I'm not saying you can only bring a couple of hundred tracks, but make sure you're only putting music in those folders that is actually DJ music. So don't put all of your albums from your digital collection in your crates just to have everything there because more is definitely not better. It's gonna get cluttered, just too many songs doesn't help in my opinion i played where i was bringing an external drive with like terabytes of music all it did was make me scroll and look longer than i would normally look so minimizing your collection your dj collection can actually be a good thing so start out by making sure you're not just adding anything you find in the dj polls but look for stuff that you're actually going to play and when it comes to the music you already have go through that music, listen to songs, and just decide, is this something I will play? If not, you can keep it in your collection at home, but don't have it in your DJ folders. So that's one, that's what I would do. I would eliminate a lot of the music that is not supposed to be in there. I still have to do that with a certain part of my music. Now, secondly, you wanna make sure that your music is tagged correctly so it's gonna be easier to use smart crates. If you're not familiar with smart crates, 
you have them in DJ software. Uh, Pioneer has a similar system for record box DJ, so you could use it with CDJs as well. And basically with smart crates, you're not gonna organize your music in advance in folders on your computer, like I normally do, but you're gonna just tell your DJ software, make this folder, and in this folder, I wanna have only tracks that are between a certain BPM or only tracks that have a certain tag in there. That tag could be related to the genre. It could be a tag related to the year. It could be a tag that's related to the energy level of the songs. I'm sorry about that. Let me fix this. It could have anything like that, any type of data like that in the tags that you put in that smart crate rule. After you put that in there, so let me just do a simple one. Tracks with a BPM higher than 105 and lower than 112. If I do that in, for instance, Serato or in Rekordbox, that crate is gonna go through everything that I've imported into that software and it's gonna pick out all the tracks that are between the BPMs I just mentioned. So they're gonna be 105 to 112. Anything with that tempo is going to be in that folder. I like that. That's a nice range. I can basically mix anything in there with each other. So that's going to work. If that is still too much, I can add an extra rule that's going to limit it to, well, a lot less. Let's say I'm going to add genre to that. That automatically brings it down a lot. But I could also have a tag that is, like I said, based around energy. If you do that color-coded or with bangers, I don't know, uh, a, a warm-up, you could have whatever you want. But terms like that can really help you out to find songs on the spot. So that is something I have added as a part-time solution until I come up with the perfect way to create my folders. Because I do prefer to have the music already organized in folders instead of just having it organized by the software. That way, I can always have my folders with me and know exactly what I have in each folder. Um, so yeah, making sure the right info is in the track, uh, track title and in the tags, um, and eliminating a lot of music. That are some of the first steps I would take. Uh, then I would start with the genres that I would play the most. And within those genres, genres I do make a selection uh, based on not years, but eras. Some DJs have folders for each and every year within each and every genre, and that turns into a lot of folders. For them, it works. For me, that file structure is crazy. I could not do that. But I do have folders. One folder is uh, 80s, one folder is 90s, one folder is 2000s. And now I have to make like a 2010s folder as well uh, for my hip hop and R&B at least. Not for all my music, but I did that for hip hop and R&B. I still have to add new songs, take songs out of that. But that alone already makes it a little bit easier for me to make sure that I don't have a folder in there that has like three decades of music when I'm only playing at a party that is for a specific decade. With certain genres, I don't do that because I just don't have a lot of music from that genre. Then I just have everything in one folder. Um, but maybe I'll have some tags in there that will allow me to, when I'm playing, organize by, not BPM, but by uh, um, something that I've used in the tags. So I hope that makes sense. But this is like a topic, if you really wanna break it down, 
you have to look at a lot of different things. Uh, one day I will do that, but I just still haven't done that yet. All right, so I absolutely love this next question. And the question is, TLM, when did you know you were ready to play bigger clubs slash venues? And when was the moment for you to say, yes, I am a DJ? I have no recollection of that moment. That is the honest truth. When it comes to my DJ career, I really just rolled into it. It started as a passion at home. I just loved music. I really was infatuated by the turntable, the fact that you could just hold it and rewind it, move it forward. Even before I understood scratching, I loved that. I got my first set. I started to play music, started to learn how to mix and scratch. And that alone to me was heaven right there, playing in clubs. I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just having fun at home. At that same time, I was not, I can't call it organizing, but we were having like freestyle sessions at my house. So I was rapping as well. I would have a couple of my buddies in here and only my homies that rap or try to rap were allowed to come or they had to get behind the decks and play instrumentals. And we would be mixing instrumentals, freestyling over that. It was all about that. And basically, it was also because I wasn't really able to get into a lot of clubs. Same thing for my friends. Um, partially uh, racial, racial situations. Um, that was an issue with a lot of clubs. They would just not let us in with the lamest excuses ever. Like you see 25 people walking in, then it's your turn to walk in and they tell you like, oh, sorry, members only. When you could clearly see no one else had to like identify or whatever. And this would happen at more than a few clubs. And the clubs that we did get into were playing music we weren't into. So at a certain point you decide you don't really wanna go out. I had my fun after that, but at that time, clubs were not something I wanted to go to. We were having fun on our own with our turntables, and I was not thinking about parties. Now, at a certain point, I was asked to come play at the local youth center at a party where they would have three DJs. One would do R&B, one would do dancehall, and they wanted me to do hip-hop because they knew me from around the way. They would come around sometime. They knew I played hip-hop mostly, um, and they asked me, and I was like, yeah, cool. I want to do that. Now, I had played a couple of birthday parties, but just not being booked as a DJ, just within my own uh, friend circle. We would just bring turntables. A lot of us would bring records and you would play. And even then, I wasn't thinking about playing in clubs. It was just like, this is what I love to do. Oh, cool. We got a birthday party. They want music. Oh, cool. I can bring turntables and uh, play music. Nice. So I got asked to play at the local youth center, did that on a monthly basis. That did spark something in me because that was like the first time I was playing in an actual venue, even though I'm calling it a youth center, youth center, that's what it was, but it was a pretty decent situation. They had like an actual room that was made for events, for parties. So there was like a dance floor, there was like a small stage with an actual DJ booth, and they had a nice system. So that was the first time I was playing a set and the speakers were actually like blasting the music. Once you experience that, 
and you start playing songs and you have a crowd in front of you on a dance floor, not in a living room like with the birthday parties, and you start to get some cheers when you play certain tracks, that changes the situation. So it didn't spark something in me that I all of a sudden had a dream to play in clubs, but I just recognized that I really like the feeling of playing songs that I like loud and having a crowd respond to it. That was a new scenario that really got me going. So um, at that point, I started to develop more of an interest, but as I've said many times on, um, on my channel and even sometimes in the podcast, around that time, I also started to do the free weekly gig that I did at this bar slash club. Not that big, could still hold like, I don't know, close to 100 people. And I really learned how to play in front of people there. So that just happened to me. I rolled into that. Did that for free for a year. Best decision I ever made because that taught me a lot. And I can't even really tell how I went from that to bigger gigs anymore. That's the crazy part. I honestly can't remember what the first bigger gig was after that. But it happened. It just evolved naturally. So there wasn't an aha moment, but it just happened and clubs got bigger parties got bigger, uh, it evolved. Now, I don't know if there was like a moment when I said to myself, like, yes, I'm a DJ, but it did occur to me more and more that I was just going to parties. At a certain point, I did start to go out more as well, but also when I was playing somewhere and I saw and heard other DJs and I started to notice a lot of times that the DJs weren't that good and I was better. So that did tell me like, I can do this. I don't know if I said, I told myself like, yes, I'm a DJ, but it was pretty clear to me like, hey, I'm, I got this, I can do this. But yeah, man, it's a fun question because it makes me think back and I'm gonna give this more thought because um, I, might, I might remember certain situations again if I start to give this some more thought. And I'll definitely talk about that in the near future when I do. Um, but yeah, man, for some, you will just have to come to a realization that you've done small parties for a long enough time that you've gathered enough experience. You feel the confidence and that's going to tell you like, hey, I'm ready to try something bigger. And for some of you, you're just going to get thrown into the deep without maybe even being ready or not knowing that you're ready. You never know. You could be doing small clubs or even just playing at home, and all of a sudden you're getting this opportunity because someone you know has a slot open for you, and they tell you, hey, you can come play at this party, it's like 500 people, and you're just gonna go, you might flop or you might rock it. You might not know that you're ready, and you are, and you're gonna find out right then and there. All right, so this question is all about DJ techniques, and the question is, what's the best way to learn how to beat match and know where to start the next track from? All right, I'm gonna do this shameless plug right here. If you're currently asking this question or you're not familiar with how this is supposed to be done, I'm working on the DJ course that you need right now. So yes, that's a shameless plug. I'm working on my first DJ course uh, right now. I'm putting together the whole curriculum and I'll be recording that soon and you're gonna hear a lot more about it. But that first DJ course is gonna be aimed specifically at people who are just starting out or people who feel that they're lacking 
the actual essential skills needed to become a great DJ. So this is a course for beginners covering all the basics that I feel are absolutely necessary. I mean, there's a lot more that comes into play when it comes to being a successful DJ, but I wanna make sure that you got the techniques, the skills part covered. So just to answer it quickly, this is all about timing, knowing how to count music. You need to learn how to count music so you can understand what beats, bars, and phrases are. That's gonna teach you the structure of songs. Once you understand the structure of songs, you will know, or at least understand, what a correct mix looks like, especially if we're talking about phrase mixing. Now, if you have no clue what I'm talking about right now, that's understandable if this is the first time you're hearing it. Now, my DJ course is not available yet, but you can go to my YouTube channel, DJ TLM TV, right now, and I have a short mix tutorial, and that's gonna teach you about beat matching, gonna teach you about timing, and I have a video in that playlist that is all about counting music. So you can definitely start there because if you don't know how to count music, you don't know the structure of songs, you're not gonna understand, understand when you're supposed to start the new track and um, what beat matching is all about. So start there. So I'm gonna do one more question right now and then I got to go because I gotta leave the studio and I gotta go home real quick and uh, put the kids to bed uh, it's a school day, so they got to get to bed early because we got to wake up early again. Now, the last question is, I got my first real gig coming up in a couple of weeks. Pretty sure I'm just opening, but still super nervous. Got any tips to ease my mind? Yes, I do. All right, so one thing I want to make sure you take away from this is preparation is going to put you at ease, or at least is definitely gonna ease your mind to a certain extent. Make sure you're fully prepared for this gig. That starts with the information. The first thing you're telling me here is you're pretty sure you're just opening. Find out if you are actually opening. So make sure you know what time slot you have. Are you the opener? Are you the second DJ? Are you playing prime time? I mean, I'm assuming not because it's your first gig, but know what time you're playing because that's gonna define your role. If you're the warm-up DJ, you're the first DJ playing, that's a totally different role than if you're playing prime time. If you're the first DJ, you're there to just set a vibe, set a mood, it's not gonna be all about high energy, and you actually have a little bit more slack because it is not your job to just rock that crowd. So you don't really have to worry about that. Now, I don't mean that you can just fail and not entertain that crowd. You're there to set the mood, but it's a little bit different than if for your first gig, you have to go on after two or three DJs have already played, the crowd is already at a certain level, and now you have to maintain that level or take them higher. That's a little extra stress. But even if that's the case, you wanna make sure you know in advance. Also make sure you know what type of music is expected of you. Don't just take that gig and go there with your music if that music maybe doesn't fit what is happening at that party. So is it a certain themed event? Are they going for a certain genre or certain genres of music? What type of people are attending, old, young? If you know stuff like that, that's gonna enhance your chances of knowing what type of stuff you're gonna play. If it's a party and it's mainly kids between 16 and 20, that's a different type of event than if you're playing at a party where they're like 25 to 40. 
know what I mean? It's a little bit different. They like different type of stuff. Now, same thing with the genres. You don't want to come there with techno and then you find out that it's like a trap event. I mean, I guess you already know, but you want to make sure you know stuff like that. Now, also make sure you know what type of equipment is going to be at the event. Is it equipment you've played on before? If not, make sure you check out online to see exactly where all the main features that you use are. I'm talking about play, stop, pitch, cues, you name it. You want to make sure there are no surprises when you come in. You want to know when you play, what you're supposed to play, what you're going to be playing on. All of those things can ease your mind a bit because you know what to expect. If you walk in and you're not sure about all of these different things that are not as important as your actual performance, but you're already worrying about that. You don't know what type of people are coming. You don't know what they have. You don't want to worry about any of that. So by just checking all of that stuff out in advance, you're preparing yourself to know exactly what it is that you're going to do. Now, once you know, you can make sure you prepare your music. I'm not saying you have to prepare your set. I don't know how you play. I don't know if you play freestyle and read the crowd or if you're actually going to prepare your mix. That's up to you. But you can prepare your music. So make sure everything you do is ready. So if you use cue points and loops, uh, make sure everything is there. If you want to make a folder specifically for that gig, make a folder, make sure all the music you want to play is in there. Again, once you know that that is covered, you can ease your mind a little bit more. So all of that stuff is going to help you out. Now, most importantly, and I always tell DJs this when they do their first gig, you're going to make mistakes. It's bound to happen and that's okay. Keep that in mind. You're going to make mistakes, it's bound to happen, and that's okay. So when it does happen and your transition is a little bit off or it's totally off, which can happen too, you just train wreck these two tracks, move on. It's a train wreck, you move that fader, the next track is playing, uh, you're shocked for a second, but drop that thought and get a next track and move on. The crowd might notice a part of the crowd will not notice. I've seen this happen plenty of times that the DJ is messing up and the crowd is not even really bothering unless the train wreck goes on for too long and then they might notice, but don't worry about that. We all made mistakes and we still all make mistakes unless you're one of those DJs who comes in with a prepared recorded set and it was just playbacking. Then the set is perfect. But if you're playing live, you're bound to make some mistakes and that's okay. Last thing I want to tell you, uh, besides make sure you have fun, because that's the most important thing. You're going to play music you love loud. Like I said, I love that feeling. Hopefully you're going to have a little bit of interaction with the crowd, maybe get a couple of responses. That's great as well. Um, but make sure you tell yourself in advance, like two days before, the day before, that morning when you go over there, you tell yourself, I'm going to rock that crowd. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to rock that crowd. I'm going to have a lot of fun. I came prepared. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rock that crowd. I'm going to have a lot of fun. It might sound crazy, but you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. You're letting yourself know you're going to do good. Even though I also told you you're going to make mistakes, that's fine. You can rock a crowd and have a good set while still making a couple of mistakes. But just tell yourself that and have some fun. Think about having fun. Think about how lucky you are that you're finally going to get to play in front of people and how great that is. Um, let us know what happened. Uh, I would love to hear. 
That's it for episode nine of the Share the Knowledge podcast with DJs. I have to go. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope it brought you some value. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Make sure you subscribe to my newsletter if you haven't done that already. Go to djtlm.com slash newsletter so you can keep up to date with everything I'm doing on all social media platforms. And also when it comes to the course I'm making, I'm about to make some new free content that's going to be only available through my website. Uh, So make sure you check that out. That's it for now. All the info is in the description box down below, and I'll be back next week. Peace.